0: listener supported WNYC Studios
1: From WNYC Studios I'm Brian Lehrer this is my Daily Politics podcast It's Thursday October 27th You know what democracy issue is getting surprisingly little attention this year Dark money in the election campaigns, and I have a theory why. It could be that money in politics, the excessive influence of corporate money especially, and anonymous money, just seems old hat compared to the dramatic new ways that democracy is being imperiled in the last two years. The big lie and the efforts to connect uh, that to what we've been talking about mostly in this series, to dismantle nonpartisan vote counting and election certification— But the sort of original sin of how elections are decided and policy is made in this country, the problem that seems to never go away, no matter how many and what kinds of laws they try to pass, is still very much with us. And in fact, more than ever, and yes, it affects both parties. An NPR story from last Saturday, for example, was called Dark money groups have spent nearly a billion dollars so far to boost GOP Senate candidates. An article in the New York Times earlier this year was headlined, Democrats decry dark money, then they won with it in 2020. So what do we mean by the term dark money? Is there such a thing as light money in election campaigns? And is that any better for democracy if it comes in gobs and gobs? Where are we 12 years into the Citizens United era, 12 years after the Supreme Court declared in that Citizens United decision that corporations have the same rights as people to spend unlimited sums of money on candidates of their choice, right? Here's Mitt Romney on the campaign trail a few years ago, getting heckled as he supported that idea.
0: Corporations are people, my friend. We can raise taxes on... Of course they are. Everything corporations earn ultimately goes to people. So where do you think it goes? Whose pockets? Whose pockets? People's pockets. Okay, human beings.
1: So pretty funny, at least some of those hecklers found Mitt Romney to be quite amusing, as well as quite wrong. And after the Citizens United ruling in 2010, comedian Stephen Colbert, do you remember this? Did you hear this at the time? Stephen Goebbels tried to put a ballot measure up for a vote in his home state of South Carolina, asking voters to weigh in on the direct question, are corporations people or are only people people? But he didn't succeed in getting it on the ballot. So let's talk about dark money, unlimited money, and corporations as people, and what they're doing to democracy in the current midterm elections, as part of 30 Issues in 30 Days. Our guide for this is Adam Winkler, UCLA professor of law and author of the book, We the Corporations. Adam, thanks for helping out with this. Welcome back to WNYC.
0: Thanks. It's a pleasure to be with you, Brian.
1: And let's start with some history, as we like to do in these democracy segments. And I know your book goes way, way back, but I thought we might start with the campaign finance law known as McCain-Feingold. A bipartisan law sponsored by Republican Senator John McCain and Democratic Senator Russ Feingold passed in 2002. So that would be exactly 20 years ago, an anniversary year for McCain-Feingold. What was McCain-Feingold and what did people think uh, it was needed to do?
0: Well, McCain-Feingold, otherwise known as the Bipartisan Campaign Reform Act, is really the last major campaign finance law passed by Congress, and it was designed to bring more transparency into federal campaigns and to limit the money spent in campaigns, in particular money spent on what's known as issue ads. That is advertisements designed to influence elections, but that refer to issues, not to specific candidates. And the Supreme Court in Citizens United struck down a key provision of McCain-Feingold, one that limited corporate and union money on issue ads in the weeks before an election. And this Supreme Court created loophole really opened the floodgates for corporate and union spending on uh, these issue ads that really do influence elections but don't name candidates and moreover lower courts relied on citizens united's reasoning to strike down a number of other campaign finance laws now the court in citizens united said that limiting uh, instead of limiting corporate and union money congress could require disclosure of this kind of spending But due to strong GOP opposition in Congress, no new disclosure laws have been adopted. And so there's been this large influx of so-called dark money, money that we don't know who's giving it and who's spending it um, influencing our elections.
1: And we'll talk more about the dark part of dark money as we go. But I imagine you disagree with Mitt Romney's take in that clip that corporations are people. But his argument there was that their profits go into the pockets of human beings, so taxing corporations or limiting their free speech rights and campaigns is really doing those things to the people who come together voluntarily to form corporations, um, and as you put it, also by, uh, uh, for unions. Is he wrong, either in the letter or the spirit of what he was saying there, in your opinion?
0: Well, he's certainly right in describing constitutional law today. The Supreme Court does say that corporations are people and effectively has given corporations many uh, of the same constitutional rights as ordinary human beings in ways that I think are destructive for democracy in both the campaign finance area and in other areas of law. Of course, he's descriptively wrong in the, the idea that the money that goes to corporations goes to individuals. Apple, for instance, has a huge war chest of profits that it's made, billions and tens of billions of dollars that it's not giving to people. It's holding for itself and planning to use to exercise power or to invest in whatever kinds of businesses or innovations they wish to invest in. Um, But it's not really technically true that all the money that corporations make goes to people. It often goes to other corporations that own the stock of that business.
1: And you mentioned uh, unions in the same breath of corpor- as corporations when you were talking about the original Citizens United era. Mitt Romney in the clip was only talking about corporations being people. Do you know the relative balance of power there? Like in a liberal state like New York, do unions, where there are strong unions too, do unions actually spend more to support candidates in campaigns than corporations do or how does the balance of power work out there between owners and workers?
0: Well one of the interesting things is that when we talk about corporations uh, most of the rules that apply to corporations in campaign finance law also apply to unions and when Citizens United was decided the, the biggest effect in the first few years was really on union spending because unions have long been very active political spenders. However, in the, I guess, 12 years since Citizens United, what we've really seen is uh, a stark increase in the rise of corporate spending on elections. One of the things that Citizens United did was kind of normalize corporate money in elections, whereas unions had always been pretty active. Corporations had often kind of stayed on the sidelines, allowing their executives, who were pretty wealthy, to exert their power and uh, gain access through their contributions. But in those 12 years, we've really seen the normalization of corporate money and huge increases in corporate money, especially in the dark money space, which is not a space that unions traditionally use very much of.
1: So let's talk about dark money. The dark and dark money refers to anonymity of the donors?
0: That's right. Uh, you know, there's what we call hard money, which is money that you say make a contribution to a candidate. That has to be disclosed and everyone can see what money is being spent. There's something called soft money, which is money spent on ads that don't identify specific candidates or go to party building activities. Uh, and then there's dark money. Dark money is money that comes from corporations or wealthy individuals and even foreign entities that are prohibited from contributing directly to candidates, but that go into uh, influencing elections. Uh, so, for instance, we might see corporations or wealthy individuals give money to a nonprofit, and those not, that nonprofit will spend the money on political ads, but the nonprofit isn't required to disclose the names of donors. Or the nonprofit gives the money to a political action committee or a super PAC which buys ads. And the super PACs must disclose their donors, but they're only disclosing the name of the nonprofit. And so we don't know who the ultimate contributor was because the nonprofit doesn't have to reveal the money that's going into uh, campaigns. So uh, we're seeing a variety of different ways in which this is happening, but mostly through the use of sort of shell companies or nonprofits that spend money on politics, uh, but just don't disclose their donors.
1: Um. Wasn't part of the Citizens United decision an affirmation that transparency in campaign spending is supposed to protect the public from being manipulated because we could know whose interests were paying for campaign ads?
0: That's exactly right. And in Citizens United, the court itself said well, you know, uh, if you're worried about shareholders having their money spent on politics that they don't support, um, well, there's disclosure and there's other mechanisms that the political system can use, um, especially related to transparency, to prevent or to react to this kind of spending. But um, one thing uh, we've seen is that Congress has really been unable to pass any kind of disclosure laws. Um, corporate uh, giving is not uh, required to, uh, at least corporate spending on things like issue ads is not required under current law to be disclosed, and Congress did consider last year in September uh, something called the Disclose Act, a proposed law that would have required super PACs and other groups to disclose donors who give $10,000 or more during an election cycle. But Senate Republicans block that legislation, and and it hasn't moved forward. So transparency Hmm. and disclosure laws are uh, an important part uh, of what Citizens United said and theorized about campaign finance law, but not actually part of the law today because there is so little transparency.
1: The Mitt Romney clip is an example of Republicans' traditional comfort with corporate power, But I mentioned the New York Times article called Democrats decried dark money. Then they won with it in 2020. It has a stat that groups that generally align with the Democratic Party spent $1.5 billion in that election cycle compared with a little less than a billion by Republican-aligned groups. Do you have any sense of who these different groups or their secret donors tend to be on the two different sides of the aisle? Is one less corrupting than the other, in your opinion, for any reason?
0: I think they're corrupting on both sides of the political aisle for the exact same reason. We don't know who's spending the money and we can't judge their motives or their agenda and because campaigns increasingly rely on dark money sources for campaign ads, even if it's supposedly uncoordinated campaign ads, um, then these um, undisclosed donors are having a a big impact. Like you say, it happens on both sides of the aisle. Democrats do it. Republicans do it. um, uh, And uh, I think one big difference between Democrats and Republicans is that Democrats have proposed and supported laws to prevent this from happening, to add transparency and disclosure. And Republicans have been 100% opposed to, to doing it. So that is one difference. But certainly, given the current state of the law, both sides are doing it.
1: Jane Mayer from The New Yorker wrote a book that I'm sure you're familiar with around the beginning of the Trump as president and candidate era called Dark Money, the hidden history of the billionaires behind the rise of the radical right. Now, I think we tend to think of dark money more in connection with, you know, corporate taxation agendas, rights to pollute, things like that. But do you think dark money has had a significant role to play in supporting the big lie and the effort to weaken democracy itself that we associate with it, not just on specific pro-corporate policies, you know, that might not be in the public's financial interest?
0: Absolutely. We shouldn't mistake dark money for being corporate money. Sometimes it is corporate money, and corporations have taken advantage of dark money. But most of the dark money... Um, uh, contributions and expenditures we're seeing really come from very wealthy individuals, and they support whatever the wealthy individual's political agenda is. Right now, there are a lot of these nonprofit groups that are taking out ads about election integrity and about the stolen election and what you call the big lie. They're not mentioning specific candidates, but rather just supporting the general Republican agenda of claiming that the last election was stolen and that we need uh, extensive kinds of reforms of the electoral process, including things that keep people from voting, like voter ID laws, uh, in order to prevent uh, uh, or to preserve election integrity today. So absolutely, it is being used to support the basic Republican agenda, as it's being used to support the basic Democratic uh, agenda on the other side of the aisle.
1: The other aspect of the dark money groups that I want to touch on before we run out of time is that they're supposed to be independent of the candidates themselves. You touched on that in describing Citizens United, that they can spend as much as they want on politics as members of the private sector, but the transparency and campaign finance limits would apply if they coordinate with the campaigns. But that line has apparently become fuzzy and not much enforced. So here's a very current example, something the Republican candidate for governor of New York, Lee Zeldin, said to reporters just this month about whether he's keeping up with Kathy Hochul in his campaign spending on TV. Listen. There are multiple independent expenditures that are also in the race. One is Save Together. They have an ad out focused on crime. The other one is an independent expenditure called Save Our State. And together for the last week and a half, our side has been outspending them. Our side has been outspending them, even though he referred to these outside groups as independent expenditures. So to be fair, Adam, Kathy Hochul, the Democrat in the race, is raising gobs of campaign cash from all kinds of corporate interests, more than Zeldin from what's been reported. She's been on the defensive about that rightly. But there's also the specific question of legal or illegal coordination. So what do you make of that clip and its implications for democracy?
0: Well, it really shows one of the big flaws of the Supreme Court's approach to campaign finance law. You're absolutely right. Um, If uh, these nonprofit groups that are taking these unlimited contributions If they coordinate with a candidate, they meet with a candidate, talk about strategy, um, uh, then that money has to be disclosed. It's no longer considered independent expenditures. It's coordinated expenditures and, and are subject to the disclosure requirements. However, the Supreme Court requires that coordination to be like real coordination, like Brian, you and I sit in a room and talk about what we're going to do. Mm. However, you don't need that kind of coordination to have a. Effective and practical coordination, that is to say, everyone fighting for the same thing. Everyone knows what the Republican agenda is. Everyone knows what the Democratic agenda is. You don't need to coordinate with the candidate, if you're a Republican nonprofit, to figure out that you want to sell the story that crime is on the rise, that, um, uh, that uh, Kathy Hochul is corrupt in their view. Uh, you don't need to have that coordination. You know what, they're, what, each, what, what the candidate is thinking. You know what the candidate's issues are. And these nonprofit groups are technically independent, but you know, they're usually run by former party members or existing party members. And as long as they don't have some you know, sit in a room, like I said you and I might do, as long as they're not doing that, then it's considered independent. And it, you know, it's really just a big charade.
1: So, as we wrap this up, is there any hope of getting out of this sort of permanent condition? It seems permanent of big money being able to, you know overly influence uh, campaigns and politics, very rich individuals or very rich corporations who can basically flood the zone with paid messages supporting their issues or candidates more than Americans of ordinary means can. I saw you uh, quoted in a a Brennan Center symposium on some ways that we might still try, but are, are, are we doomed to be, you know, subject to big money politics forever?
0: Well, I don't think we're doomed forever, Brian, but certainly the the playing field is, is is very tilted right now. The Supreme Court in Citizens United and other campaign finance rulings has said that the free the First Amendment freedom of speech protects political spending, especially if it's independent political spending. And given the conservative Supreme Court, it seems unlikely that the justices are going to reverse course in the near future on cases like Citizens United. Um, however, Um, uh, You know, you have to keep your uh, eye focused. First of all, there are, uh, on potential reforms, first of all, there are reforms that the Supreme Court has said are okay. Things like disclosure of these kinds of ads. And uh, disclosure, I don't think, is the be-all, end-all of reform, but it's at least a step that you can take uh, to try to combat dark money. And then you also have to think about long-term change. I mean, one thing Republicans have done very well in America is focus on the long-term. They fought a 50-year battle to over. Return Roe versus Wade, and they succeeded. Uh, And sometimes it takes a long time. I think the battle against money and politics uh, is not going to be won anytime soon, but it's a battle worth uh, undertaking and and fighting, and and hopefully our children uh, or our children's children will grow up in a society where uh, the electoral process is not being abused in the way that we're seeing it abused today.
1: And that's exactly why we included it in our 30 Issues Election Series, even though there's no immediate prospect of changing the system. Adam Winkler, UCLA law professor and author of books, including We the Corporations. Adam, thanks for letting us audit your class (laughs) and getting up early in L.A. for it to boot. Thanks a lot.
0: Always a pleasure, Brian. Thank you for having me.